Hello, everyone. Welcome to the AMT Tech Trends podcast, where we discuss the latest manufacturing technology research and news. I am Benjamin Moses, the director of technology, and I'm here with Stephen Lamarca, technology analyst, AMT. Steve, way to come in like the Kool-Aid man. <laughs> <laughs> That's impressive. Dude, you know, I just want to send 2021 out with a bang. Yeah. You know, it was a great year. I don't think anybody's denying that it wasn't a great year. Um, everybody went into 2021 a little wary. It was like, please don't be a repeat of 2022. <laughs> please let me get by toilet paper. <laughs> and then three months later, it's over. <laughs> In the blink of an eye, 21 just passed. You know, it's a good year when it goes by way too fast. That's kind of true. It was an unbelievable year. Yep. Um, a lot of things recovered. It's not done recovering yet. Yep. But, you know, um, especially when we wrapped up last year, we all... At least you and I agreed, and, and a few of my friends agreed, that 2020, you know, there was a lot of crying, and it kind of stunk that there was a lot of, you know, lockdowns sure. and deaths. But uh, but all in all, 2020 wasn't – there was a lot of good things that came out of 2020. Right. Well, thankfully, 2021 was a repeat on 2020 in its good things. All the good things carried And over. it just it – just, it carried over and was even more and there was way less of the bad. Yeah. And I'm really excited for 2022, which is going to be an IMTS year. That's true. And I can't wait for us to have another show. Um, and I'm excited to go traveling again. <laughs> Are you? Do you miss travel? So initially, I would say like up until yesterday, I would say, no, I don't miss travel. I mean, miss travel a little bit. <laughs> the logistics um, of travel, I don't. The, I let's don't let's go over the my Steve's good things okay. about not having to travel. Yep. Um, I get a little bit of anxiety before I before I have to travel for work. Not just like flying, but even if it's like a road trip. Sure. Um, it's like, okay, do I have everything? Right, I mean, I get right. that. I get a fraction of that anxiety every time i go out the door right but like when you're going to be away for a long time and especially when it's work related yep. it's like you have to make sure you have everything and you're mentally prepared to do work while away and in a new environment that you're not used to working in yeah so you get a little bit of anxiety there so the positive has been there was none of that That's um good. then you know the other big positive for me is um um, not having to do as much laundry. <laughs> the negative to that is I've definitely been slumming it a lot more. Um, That's what you know. I've, I've definitely, you know, after buying the first motorcycle, <laughs> yeah, you know, yep. I, I realized that you know, dude, I got to start looking a little bit more rugged. Sure, you know, sure. you on the right? I'm on two wheels, you bro. Look that. I'm on an iron horse. I gotta live. I gotta be about that life. <laughs> iron but, horse. But uh, there's been a few days this year, uh, if not a couple days in a row this year uh, where I've just like woken up, gotten ready for like a zoom meeting or to come in the office, regardless of being like totally like washed up right. and showered, still look in the mirror and be like, dude, I look, I look pretty homeless right now. <laughs> and so that that's a negative, but like, it's, yeah. it's nice not having as much work to do, like, like homework to yeah. do at home, right. like doing laundry and stuff like that. Um, but the, Biggest positive of all of the non-traveling stuff is you've been the safest. That's fair. That's you fair. know, you're, you're exposing yourself as little as possible right. to the coronavirus um, and, and, you know, any pandemic. If you subscribe to that, yeah. you know, uh, I, I realize 
it's lightening up a little bit right. and um, we're learning more and more every day. And the more we're, we're learning is that, you know, this is preventable. Right. Um, and it's not, I, I'm going to stop there. It's preventable <laughs> and there are measures we can do to be safe yeah. and continue life as normal. Yeah. Um, I agree with your hygiene uh, concern. So the transition from office to working from home, you know, I understand that maintaining that pattern or that um, routine is yeah. important. So trying to wake up the same time, carry Dude, the same pattern. Doug, props to Doug. He warned us like on our first all staff meeting that yep. was over Zoom yep. when we were all still figuring out how to work Zoom <laughs> um, and and working through the VPN issues yep. at the beginning. Yep. Doug straight up said, listen, you know, start every day the way you would normally right. as if you were going to come into the office. Yep. Don't wake up. Try to wake up on time. Which I definitely didn't do. <laughs> well, to um, be fair, you never did that when you worked in the yes, office. Yes, <laughs> I did. Maybe my first two or three years, but then I stopped caring. Um, but, uh, you know, wake up on time. Do your morning routine. Right. Get dressed up. You're just not getting in the car and you're not coming to the office. Yeah. Yeah, you're going exactly. to your living room or yeah. whatever you have until you've set up a work from home. And he was right about that. Yeah. You, you got to stay in the habit. Right. Because, you know, breaking habits is hard, but starting restarting <laughs> good habits is even harder than that, breaking. That's habits. Really hard. Yeah. So, you know, props to him. He was right about that. Um, on the other hand. Now, what are the bad things about missing all this travel? Yep. And I didn't realize it until I had a meeting with Dayton yesterday. Um, but uh, even though we stay on top of all of the manufacturing news uh -huh. by through tech trends and through our various news feeds, um, I didn't realize until yesterday how much I've actually missed in the industry, oh, how much right, that has right. actually changed. Yep. While not traveling. Oh, absolutely. And, yeah. and I, like, you know, I'm asking Dayton, who's not even like, he is a technology guy, but, sure. you know, he's not, he doesn't have our job, which is staying on top of, you know, the technology, the manufacturing technology. I'm like, dude, how are you, how are you this well-versed <laughs> oh, in, in like the current stuff? Right, not just right. like, you know, stuff from a year ago, like, you know exactly what's going on. And he's like, I go to the events. <laughs> I, you, you have to go to the events to know this stuff. And I'm like. Yeah. Okay, we well, got to start getting going to events again because I used to. We <laughs> right. used to, yep. And you know, you guys, you Tim especially, started going to events again, right? But uh, I've been playing it safe, because, especially since you know the plan to go to Form Next in 2020, mm -hmm. and you know having to cancel that flight and not right. getting AMT's money back on the refund for that flight to Germany like intimidated me. I was right. like, I don't want to cost AMT any more money, especially yep. when money's getting tight because yep. of a pandemic or something like that. Uh, and now that things are recovering, it's like, I need to get out there Yeah, absolutely. and I can't wait. And you sent the, uh, our travel plans, our department's travel plans. Yep. Uh, all like you mapped, uh, all the shows for 2022, bro. I'm telling you right now, <laughs> get ready, spend some coin. Cause I'm putting my name on a lot of those yeah. events. Yeah. That's why I sent around this is it's already a full uh, full schedule, and I, I saw an interesting trend where it looks like a lot of conferences didn't book their normal um, schedule in the year. So yeah. a lot of events are like ha in the second half of the year. They got booked pushed to like uh, October, November. So uh, second half of the year is going to be very, which actually I'm kind of happy about. We can see a continue to see a reduction in uh, 
right the, the covid and stuff like that so like i have a lot of friends and colleagues who are like no you really shouldn't be traveling we it, this isn't over there's still more variants coming out right and you need to be as safe as possible and i totally respect that and i and i want to do that but their job isn't the same as mine <laughs> right in that they don't need to stay on top of this latest and greatest trending stuff. And, and that's where I've kind of had like my, my, my vision blurred and fogged. And it's like, no, we, we got to get out there. I'm going to have to do more to be even safer. Like I'm going to keep that thing on me. You see the mask right (laughs) on our desk now, our table now, but like, and it's, it's a good point because that uh, we we had, uh, we hosted empty forecast and MFG um, at the end of uh, November. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, end of October, sorry. And, uh, you know, I brought in, uh, Dave Burns and I brought in a panel on additive. And, you know, these guys are doing some cutting-edge stuff. And you wouldn't hear about this in an article or anything because they did an open panel about, um, you know, advancements in additive and how to uh, continue harvesting value from additive for your business. And they were talking about tons of use cases of, you know, everyone's very interested in getting additive in production, which is cool. But, you know, there's still a ton of other cases. But the other... Cases like no one talks about, like L'Oreal, the uh, cosmetic company. Yeah. They're printing mascara brushes through uh, 3D printing. You know, right. That, that right. was published, but they, you know, talking about that and how they. That's still that like path. kind of 2020 news. Yeah. But it's yeah. still cool. It's still fast. But, you know, they also hosted the um, uh, um, Female Technology Award. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, they're seen as a cosmetic company, but their manufacturing capabilities are surprisingly deep. And, you know, ner- hearing about those interesting use cases it the only way you're going to hear about it is going to an event you know talking to people and understanding what use cases that they've seen recently yeah i thought that was very fascinating i think cat last year early last year posted an article about uh about l'oreal's work in additive right right and i always loved when i was a little kid i I will always remember their 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 children's shampoo (laughs) The no more the no more tears shampoo. Yeah, and uh, though made the L'Oreal made their little shampoo bottles look like a fish. They still make them. <laughs> Do they? That's yeah. Cool. Apparently, I guess. I would. I, had, I had to look it up on Amazon. <laughs> they're available. <laughs> yeah. They might be new old stock, but <laughs> they're there. What about uh, technology predictions for next? Technology year? predictions. Okay, let's go back to the last time I had. Um, at least a major technology prediction after seeing IMTS 2018 um, walking around the floor, especially of like the, uh, the student summit yep, and seeing very expensive $70,000 robot arms unplugged <laughs> sitting there on the floor with custom end effector, end of arm tooling right. to be coat hangers. Yep. And it's just like that. That's awesome. What a flex to have a seventy thousand dollar coat hanger <laughs> just hanging around. And they were they were everywhere. Yep. yep. And then I realized, you know, dude, robots are going to become way more popular, right? And are going to go way down in price. Yep. And for the most part, I was right about that. I called that one. And to emphasize that point, I'm the liaison for automatic automation and manufacturing committee mm-hmm. and then tire group they were in the beginning of the pandemic they're obviously like everyone else very concerned about their business forecast and throughout the entire year they stayed at plan or above everyone is asking for automation equipment and to the point where their lead time they, they had difficulty keeping up their lead times because so much new business was coming in you know between packaging and so many other industries were clamoring for um automation equipment so i completely agree that you know the trend was there and I think the pandemic just amplified that trend right. uh, to outrageous levels. Right. And we saw 
in 2020, especially automation and additive blow up. Right. Additive right. with, you know, uh, PPE and mm-hmm. and coronavirus treatment solutions yeah. that needed to be, you know, developed quickly. Right. And additive was awesome for the prototyping and in some cases the production right. phase, especially in Italy. Yep. Um, and of course, uh, automation all over Europe. And mm-hmm. uh, and especially Germany with um, was it Siemens that made uh, the the autonomous robots for sanitizing airports? Right. Yep. Um, I think it was Siemens. I don't want to inappropriate we'll, inappropriately credit them. We'll go with that for now. Um, but uh, automation and additive blew up because of the pandemic. Right. Um, then something happened unexpected, just like the pandemic. Something else happened, you know, not after our lockdown. Um was it this year or was it tail end of last year? The chip shortage. Sure. Yep. Silicon shortage. I think right. it was last year. Toward the end of last year. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Because the GPUs came out and they couldn't make them. <laughs> um, the chip shortage, uh, and I'm leading into both the the first article that we're going to talk about, but finally to get to my prediction. Yep. Um, the chip shortage has been crazy. Uh, what would normally be like a $40,000 uh, Toyota RAV4 Prime. Right. You can find on dealer lots marked up like fifty thousand dollars to ninety five thousand dollars. Seriously, like yeah. a Rav Four is like yep. the new luxury. Now the Rav Four Prime is actually really nice and like competes on a flexing scale on right. an Instagram clout scale with like the Tesla Model Three. Oh, that's interesting. You have to look into it. Like I won't. It's it, <laughs> because because <laughs> it's a Toyota Rav Four, but man, it's like the new craze, right? Um. Just crazy to me. I'm happy to hear that because yep. I'm a Toyota fanboy. Um, but uh, um, the silicon shortage has has really messed things up. Yeah. Um, yep. And that's cascaded into you know our industry significantly. So yes, like like to- Taiwanese chip manufacturers coming to the U.S. Yep. Opening production uh, facilities uh-huh. in the U.S. And, and it's not just one. It's like a handful of them. Yep. And it's chip manufacturing is coming to the states. It's. And it's not like a small, it's not like they're opening up like a, you know, hundred square foot facility. It's like, a big old square foot. These facility. are billion dollar facilities. Yes. And it was, I was obviously going to take a while for them to build these facilities. I was like, this is a lot of money. <laughs> this is outrageous yeah. how much. What's the one that's in, in Phoenix area? It's like a $13 think, billion dollar plant. Intel's, yeah. Intel's right. Intel or TSMC. TSMC. It's, yeah. it's TSMC. It's like $13 billion or something like that. But that leads into my prediction finally, which is silicon chip cutting yeah like sure what goes into cutting a chip right it is subtractive it's micro machining okay and dude micro machining was really cool when i was learning about it when i started here at amt yep but it seemed like you know a switzerland a germany <laughs> kind of thing sure and it's coming to the states we've had like american manufacturing companies manufacturing builders uh-huh. um have had the technology for a long time right and i'm not gonna say they haven't had the demand but None of that like high precision, small mm-hmm. work stuff has ever really been done in sure. the States. And now like you can think of like I, I mentioned Switzerland and like Germany, but sure. also a lot of like uh, uh, the Far East. Right. Uh, uh, yeah. Korea, East Asia, yeah, Southeast Japan. and in yeah. East Asia with uh, the electronics and stuff. Right. But it's cool to see, you know, that stuff could be coming to the States. That'd be cool. Um, and that's why I think. The craze, my prediction is finally um, <laughs> micro machining is going to blow up again. Sure. 
you know, we're finally going to be chasing after that almighty Micron That's again in uh, in not just like full on assemblies of like sure. products, but like individual parts. And I can't wait to see cutting tool developments on like the next Harvey tool catalog <laughs> on like because because I, I remember last year I thought it was really cool that on the cover of Harvey tool and helical solutions uh-huh. uh, catalogs, they had an end mill that was that looked like it had a tire tread okay. to its flutes. Right. And it was be, it's for cutting composites. That's cool. Um, it's for milling composites like yep. carbon fiber and stuff like that to keep it from fraying. That's right. why it looks like a tire tread uh, to keep those the, the weave tight yep. as it's cutting it. Um, I can't wait to see those catalogs with cutting tools for um, uh, silicon wafers and little them. guys. I really want to see that. <laughs> I'm excited, Steve. Yeah. So that's cutting silicon. That goes into the first article that I have. That you're going to get into? Um, Let's get Which right is in. related to, you know, manufacturing of silicon and yeah. the silicon shortage. Yeah. Um, by Gizmodo, a relative or a revolutionary silicon chip micro speakers promise to make wireless earbuds even smaller with better battery life. That's cool. You know, all them kids love that. You know, we love our technology, especially our personal technology, our phones and our uh, our wireless earbuds. You like how small but, they uh, are, too. You know, I'm also big into, you know, the audio. Yep. And I like looking at this this silicon wafer on Gizmodo's picture. That looks like a miniature, um, not a dynamic driver, a planar magnetic driver. Right. Right. And. You know, typically when you want very small drivers and uh-huh. earbuds like IEMs, uh-huh. uh, you want uh, additives big in IEMs for custom fit IEMs. Right. But uh, typically the driver is a balanced armature yeah. driver and right. you need like 17 of them right. in <laughs> in each ear yep. because uh, they only do like a very narrow band of frequencies. Right. And um. This is really cool because planar magnetics typically aren't seen in IEMs or earbuds, right. as the general public calls them. Um, so it's going to be cool to see something other than a, you know, a, an an air volume moving dynamic driver <laughs> yeah. or a, you know, very narrow range of frequency, seventeen balanced armature <laughs> driver earbud. Yeah on the market and now alongside them is a silicon wafer some sort of driver and i like the uh carry over into you know other applications so yeah the driver itself is very fascinating but the general trend of let's get more out of these batteries i think that's a very popular sure. trend so you know this is not just but what has changed in the manufacturing technology to make to drive these these advancements in silicon chips like over mm-hmm. in the last year we saw Intel go from 14 nanometer um, chips, whatever that means. I don't know right. what that means. No, honestly. they don't even know. Uh, to like less than seven. Like they've right. cut in half. Yeah. Something with the manufacturing technology changed, and I feel terrible that I don't know what it was. <laughs> That's a research project for you, Steve. Yeah. We'll look into that next year. Micro machining, man. And, and to be fair, I mean, so their general trend of uh, have uh, reducing their die size by half mm-hmm. has, has been growing around for a long time. So they've doubled the uh transistor count or uh yeah transistor count and uh half the size every series and amd's kind of keep up they're, yeah. they're really at that they're close to that threshold where there's actually discussions of changing the definition of measurement so going from nanometer to something else to accurately describe it because i think because the tsmc is close to like two nanometer manufacturing right 
Once they go past two, what, why do you, Which, how do you the, the nanometer now? is an indicator of how many transistors are in the, uh, the, the chip, right? That's a question we'll answer later. Okay. <laughs> so, because I, I know it's easier to say, oh, well, it's a, it's a seven nanometer die right, as opposed right. to uh, trying to remember that um, the new chips have 46 billion yeah, yeah, transistors yeah. in them. Right. It's more of a density t- uh, yeah. count, right? So, but it is interesting that the trends. It's not how thick it is. I think we're getting to the point on a lot of these things of um, we're changing the paradigm of how we consider what we consider the size of that for electronics, and I think that's a good representation of where electronics is headed. Where we're getting so small that we have to think about new ways to measure, new ways to quantify it, so the consumer can understand it. So, and you know, and there's a lot of applications for that too. You know, we've been talking about like uh, smart work holding, smart tooling. You know, we've got yeah. sensors in. Um, uh, um, tool holders and things like that. So, you know, the carry over to better battery life. Now you don't have to worry about this Bluetooth uh, tool holder uh, losing battery, you know, or you could obviously charge it wirelessly through the machine itself too. But I, this uh, incremental improvement on battery life and miniaturization just brings everyone along with it. Sure. Are you going to buy them? No. It's funny because unless I, the Sennheiser names on them or Audio <laughs> Technica or, or Odyssey. You know, if if, if, if a premium audio brand, if, if they, it's Apple AirPods, no, absolutely <laughs> not. I'm going to throw them in the toilet and flush. If someone buys them out of the private label, uh, them for that. So I just bought some uh, active uh, Jabra's. So, oh, well, there you go. At least you didn't spend a lot. No, so cool. The article I've got is from 3D Natives. Uh, it's material trends and additive. And I thought this was a good way to end of the year on additive also. Is That's that, awesome. Yeah. We, we've been talking about the explosion of uh, adoption for additive. Yeah. Um, and it, it, and the quick implementation. And the quick implementation. And there's been significant technology growth, too. And, you know, the past couple of years of the machine itself and printing stuff, that has incrementally improved. But being able to do closed loop uh, additive, that's grown significantly. So the ability to uh, get a more accurate part that you predict, that you initially designed and what pr- printing what you expected. Right. So that's. Yeah. I think that's the biggest challenge in additive is I have a design. Did it warp as I print it? And right. Did the machine crash? Or, or there's apparently there's a common problem that right. like at least with home printers is uh, they'll find out like layer 37 right. is totally absent. <laughs> exactly. The, the, in the, the, somewhere in the process, they've totally <laughs> missed a layer. Yeah. So I, I thought this is an interesting trend on uh, materials where, you know, they looked at a couple of categories. One of the categories obviously is uh, polymer metals. They're moving towards sustainability and accessibility. And, you know, you, we were talking about this uh, other company earlier that they're um, going public uh, and they make high-end premium materials. And, you know, the the shift in additive um, materials is uh, a couple of folds. One is, you know, there's a couple of um, examples of going to 100% biodegradable materials, right? So if you're talking about one-off stuff in your garage, yeah, maybe you don't need it to last forever. Or it, it's an extension of, you know, from mine to back to mine, right? So you harvest mm-hmm. the material. How do you get this material back in the earth? So it's looking at a broader look, a broader view of uh, the life cycle of materials. Um, and the other uh, area is um, growth of ceramics and composites and additive. You know, we were talking about uh, composites, particularly carbon fiber earlier. <laughs> and then uh, at the technology forum earlier this year, we talked about um, uh, carbon fiber um, additive and, you know, where that, uh, how that sits in the industry. And it's the article talks about it's still in, inf- in its infancy, but the ability to use that and the value to the end use is so, so high that 
they only see that those two materials just skyrocketing in the next couple of years. Because if you can imagine converting, you know, something that's, you know, machined out of aluminum or plastic, and you can do that in a higher end material like uh, carbon fiber. Right. Imagine how much stronger it is and how much more robust it is. You know, that is almost an, uh, a win-win for everyone. So I thought that was a fascinating look at um, uh, the trends in materials and, you know, the potentials for next uh, next couple of years. I think additive has helped carbon fiber be more accessible as well. I think so. Because... You know, we're used to, to seeing with. those beautiful weaves and like, and, yeah, like, and yeah. then there's, and then forged carbon fiber be, started right. becoming popular yeah. uh, on, and like exotic cars because the weave, the weave stuff yeah. started becoming too mainstream. So yeah. it was like, hmm, how can we stay above <laughs> these plebes? Forged carbon fiber was a- absolutely gorgeous. It is a beautiful material. Yeah. Um, And now additive carbon fiber, like, like cool. carbon fiber impregnated polymers yep. Um, is, a very cool application that makes carbon fiber manufacturing accessible to virtually everybody. The next one I want to talk about <laughs> is Remade. Do you know the Manufacturing Institute Remade? I've heard of it. Yeah. So they're folk. They're they're big in acronyms. In the did man- we, did didn't they did they used to be called something else? I'm sure they were. And they've always been. So they're Manufacturing U.S. Institute. There's uh, I think up to 15 now, and Remade stands for Reducing Embodied Energy and Decreasing Emissions. Oh, the government. <laughs> <laughs> so it is an acronym. Uh, they're based out of Rochester, which I'm, uh, you know, if I, if oh, I, we better be nice to them <laughs> or else Doug and Ed will get on us. <laughs> uh, I missed the opportunity to visit them because I was in uh, Gleason, uh, the Gleason works up in Rochester for uh, uh, one of committee meetings and I had some free time after a meeting. I should have uh, stopped by. I but. shop at Wegmans a lot. <laughs> Congratulations. They're based out of Rochester. <laughs> you got to keep dropping Rochester references now. They're so expensive. <laughs> like it doesn't look like like one of those luxury grocery stores like Balducci's yeah. or or you know Whole Foods, which has totally become a luxury grocery store. Right. Wegmans just looks like a giant or anything else. Yep. And then you look at the prices, and it's like there's no there's nothing on sale. They sell. Um, oh, let's get into the article. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, so Remade focuses on driving down costs of technology essential to reuse, recycle, and remanufacture materials such as uh, material, metals, fibers, polymers, electronic waste. So the big thing about sure this doesn't is, drive down the cost of Wegmans. <laughs> they, um, you know, they they do uh, technology uh, uh, progression. So what they're doing is they have a couple ideas that either university has developed the concept. Now they're trying to foster these concepts into something industry worthy, industry ready. Um, and they have $33 million that they're pumping into 25 projects. And uh, of, the, of the projects, they have a couple of good ones I think uh, might be interesting. So uh, one is redu- recycling and refining aluminum foils and other difficult scraps. Oh, cool. I thought that was kind of interesting. Uh, aluminum. The other category they have is uh, e- equipment remanufacturing, hybrid repair uh, and non-destructive evaluation technologies for aerospace components. Very cool. Led by Pratt Whitney, of course. Uh, yeah. hi- hybrid laser processing for metal surface remanufacturing. Volvo's uh, sponsoring that one. Wow. I thought that was interesting. Volvo trucks? It says Volvo. Okay. They, they probably <laughs> mean Volvo trucks. Uh, development of computational tools for predicting seam weld integrity in thick walled hollow aluminum extrusions. So some very, and there's a bunch of others actually, but you know, it's not, they're not just interested in picking up your, recycling they're they're you know <laughs> further interested in you know looking at the whole manufacturing as a industry and how do we improve 
the life cycle of materials and you know recycling. So that, that, very interesting project, very difficult problem that they're trying to solve. So I thought that was pretty cool. See if we got a. I think we should end with one of our uh, the intersection of many of our hobbies. You you found one that talks about weapons and fire, video games and video firearms games. and video games. Tell me all about this. And of course, it comes to manufacturing. Now, typically, you know we. We like our firearms. We like our video games. We especially like our video games with firearms. Correct. Most of the time, a firearm exists in RL, in real life, <laughs> and is used by some cool people like the SEALs or the Green Berets or maybe the Russian Spetsnaz. Sure. And, and you know, video game developers take note of that and be like, that look, they, these people look cool. They yep. do cool things saving the world and stuff like that and using these awesome tools. Yep. Um, let's put them in a video game. Let's do it. And let people have fun with them that we'll never get to play <laughs> with them because they're regulated materials. Correct. And typically it goes that way. It's 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 very digital twin-ish. Sure. Not quite, but like, you know, video games are closer to digital twin than one would think because it starts with a real life thing right. and then they make a digital model of it. Sure. But it has to exist in real life first. This firearm company that that everybody knows whether they like it or not. <laughs> um, and a video game company went in total reverse. Right. This video game company, I don't know the video game, and I've maybe heard of the company a few sure. times. Ward B, mm -hmm. I don't know what game they made, but it doesn't matter. Maybe it was, uh, I don't know. Um, they, in, in one of their games, they had this futuristic Elysium-looking uh, shotgun. Yep. And... Um, the Russian firearm company Kalashnikov, the Kalashnikov yep. Concern, but you know, they used to be Kalashnikov Concern used to be called Ismush, and Ismush was the company that made the AK-47, the AKM, right. um, and, and and whatnot, the AKs. Um, and uh Kalashnikov Concern contacted this video game developer yep. and was like, Hey, you guys have a really cool shotgun. Can we make a real life version of it? That's Can we cool. go in reverse? Yeah. This game, this gun does not exist in real life, but it looks cool <laughs> and we're Russian and crazy. We, <laughs> we want to make it real. Yeah. And they, I, I, you read more into it than I did. And I guess the, the video game developers thought it was cool. Right. were very flattered by it, but never responded. They didn't hit reply all. <laughs> I don't think they took it seriously, <laughs> no. even though they should have recognized that. Yeah, it was by Kalashnikov. Yeah, Everybody yeah. knows the Kalashnikov. Like, <laughs> like, and uh, yeah, they just never responded or whatever. They just right. shared the email around the the <laughs> the, the, the cubicles yep. and never it never went any further than that. Yep. So Russians will Russian, and we're like, okay, we're gonna make it anyway. Yep. And they just move forward because it's not like it. It's not like it's a patent. Right. It's not like uh, there's actual plan. It's not like the video game developer. They just made the looks of it and sure. how the gun functions in a game, how it works in a game and right. its game stats. They didn't actually go into, you know, the CFD, <laughs> the the finite element analysis sure. um, and uh, the just like like the physics of what makes the firearm operate right. and what kind of operating system it has. So. Uh, Kalashnikov was just like, okay, we're going to design this gun and we're going to make it look like this video game gun. Yep. And to be fair, it was really a shotgun that they already had mm -hmm. and they just produced a dress up kit right. to make it look like this futuristic shotgun and make it look as cool as it is. Uh, or uh, Yeah. Um, 
and now the company's all like butthurt about it. <laughs> I think they're suing the company, suing. Uh, uh, I mean, if you're going to so. go after a gun company for some money, you may as well go after the <laughs> biggest one. But at it's, the same time, how much are they going to get from a Russian gun company? And, you know, I think it does speak to the shift in, well, I'll call it loosely, the entertainment and video game industry that, you know, they are shifting towards more physics based, more realistic, like the, the um, game designer, they pride themselves on fairly functional, obviously it's a fantasy world, right? But they, they do have physics built into their firearms and they're very proud of that, right? Yeah. They're very excited that this gun could actually work. And for uh, Kalashnikov to take their idea, to be fair, it's a dressing, like you said. Oh, yeah. But I mean, the, it, it's, it's very fascinating that, you know, manufacturing looking to the digital side of the world and then the digital side of the world is like, yeah, we can replicate anything we want in the real world, make it work, <laughs> right? Yeah. And what's also really funny is I I forgot to mention that, uh, you know, Kalashnikov made said weapon, said shotgun. Yeah. And then another Russian video game developer, Battlestate Games, the makers of one of my favorite games currently, Tar Escape from Tarkov, they uh, they reached out to Kalashnikov and be like, hey, can you uh, send us some models of this thing? Because it looks really <laughs> cool and we want to put it in our game. Yeah. And so Wardby's like, what is this? <laughs> Not only did you guys make a real gun based off of our video game gun, then you gave it to another video game that we're not affiliated with at all. We don't have a partnership with them. It's like, well, you know yeah. what? You should have replied to our email. It's Russia, man. What are you going to do? <laughs> <laughs> to fair, I mean, there are some legal concerns about their path, but it is completely, it's absolutely fascinating to me the the accuracy to what the video game industry can do. Yeah. To, and for, for physics based. Honestly, uh, if it wasn't for Escape from Tarkov and, and their incredibly detailed like uh um gunsmithing feature yep. in the game i wouldn't realize how badly i don't want that shotgun <laughs> because like like we both just touched on it, yep. it's a dress-up kit for right. an already existing shotgun yep and you have to remove all of these parts like a barrel shroud mm -hmm. you have to remove um a bunch of like rails 1913 rails and you have to remove the stock right just to get to the operating system yeah. which is the total opposite of what other shot like quality shotgun companies are doing <laughs> like beretta and benelli right they you know because people know they know that you know shotguns put a lot of rounds down range a lot of yeah. people don't realize that but like you know where like an ar-15 sees like a maximum round life between like fifty thousand rounds before a barrel needs to be replaced right. and upwards of like a hundred thousand shotguns are made to do like a hundred thousand shells yeah. in like five years <laughs> and and you'll never need to replace yeah. a barrel yeah. unless you want a different barrel i mean they're heirloom shotguns for a reason because they just never die shotguns don't break yeah um well they they fail but they don't break right and they're made to be maintained easily if you want them to make it to a million shells yep. you need to clean them regularly and so a lot of these shotgun companies make a point of look how easily our shotgun breaks down. Right. Like, yep. you know, it's it's you, you don't need tools to disassemble it, to field strip it. And instead of twisting off a cap, you only need to do it like a, a couple handful of turns. You know, Beretta has their new like, quick twist, uh, quick disassembly uh, yep. cap, which only requires like a quarter turn. And then the whole thing just like pulls apart <laughs> uh, with no tools whatsoever. You do this with your bare hands, and then you yep. clean it. Um, it, this is this this Russian shotgun is you don't want this. Yeah, because, yep. you know, you have to clean shotguns regularly. And this thing would 
I do like the feel of a clean gun. I, I when I first started, uh, it's nice shooting, cleaning a gun. I used to clean a gun after every after every range day, and back then I was going twice a month, so I was a lot of cleaning. Yeah. Uh, now I've cut back a lot, but it, having a clean cleaning your gun after a good range day feels fantastic. Right, and and it also made me appreciate. I'm not a big fan of like when it comes to like cars and motorcycles. I don't like chrome. Right. That's like so like 90s and like boom <laughs> like old people love chrome. And I always thought like, you know, this is really gaudy to have sure. all this chrome on the inside of a firearm. Right. Then you realize they do it for a reason. Once you chrome internals yeah. in a firearm Fantastic. is so like you don't need any solutions. You don't right. need any solvents. Right. You wipe it clean. Yep. If you want to polish it, sure, then you use like a solution. But sure. they clean so like debris and all that carbon buildup and grime just wipes off. It's fantastic. Of chrome. I love my Benelli. If you guys see us in real life, ask me how easy it is to clean a 1022. <laughs> <laughs> and then ask me how easy it is to clean a Benelli. My favorite gun that Thief. I own. Fantastic. twenty. This is 21 still, right? It is 21. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> it's a fantastic 21. I'm looking forward to uh, next year. Happy holidays, everyone. Happy holidays. Bye.